Factory in the Dynasty Football Network. That's Travis Sabeard. I'm John Ho. This is Super Flexible. Still no James Abrain as we finish up uh, part two of the wide receiver position dissection this week. We're going to pick it up at wide receiver number eight, Adam Thielen. Um, but just to get you caught up on what we're doing here, we've been we've been through the quarterback position, we've been through the running back position, and if you didn't catch Wednesday's episode, I would start there, where we picked up the wide receiver position with wide receiver one, Antonio Brown, and we made it all the way through wide receiver seven, Julio Jones, and we're just going to talk about some outlooks for the 2018 season for the fantasy finishers number eight through... Now, let's see how far we get, Travis. So, number eight, we've got Adam Thielen, which is pretty crazy. Um, I don't think, even though he finished here at, at wide receiver eight, I still don't think his value is, is nearly this high. Um, I'm a little bit... I, I love this dude. He's, I love Adam yeah. Thielen. I, I don't... like any to, Anywhere I have him, I'm stoked, right? But he... I I think I'm firmly able to say that I believe that he will never again finish as the wide receiver eight or higher. Oh man, uh, that's heartbreaking. You disagree, right? No, no, I kind of. It's so don't. sad. I know, but it, wide yeah. receiver eight. Because every year there are these guys, you know, yeah. who just kind of come out of nowhere and just have this amazing breakout season and they're so bankable and they do you know they they win fantasy championships for you I don't know that Adam Thielen did that he kind of struggled towards the end of the season he was actually a top five wide receiver for a lot of the season Um, but yeah I mean I think that you're probably right I mean we've seen we've seen guys do this before you know guys like Hakeem Nicks you know uh, Jeremy Macklin has done this there are a handful of guys who just had that one amazing season. Dwayne Bow, <laughs> that was that was a fun one, um, and and then they just they aren't able to do it again, and for varying reasons, you know. And I think that the struggle for Adam Thielen is going to be above all else. Who's the quarterback next year? You know, Case Keenum was always looking for Adam Thielen, and was kind of a security blanket for. Uh, for Case Keenum but I you know I don't know who the quarterback is going to be for the Minnesota Vikings I do know that there seems to be quite a bit of talk about just you know just go back to Teddy Bridgewater and he was tunnel visioned on Stefan Diggs before he got injured you know before uh, Bridgewater got injured so I I don't know if Thielen's going to be able to carve out this role in that offense again. So, I mean, as much as it breaks my heart, I think you're probably right. Yeah. So what are you, what are you doing as an Adam Thielen owner? Cause it's really hard for me. I've got him in a few spots and just today, actually, after going through all these numbers, uh, I, I went and updated my trade bait and I, I checked that box on Adam yeah. Thielen. I'm, I'm willing to move off of him. Um, just because I think, honestly, it's, I mean, again, this is, I'm just, we're just repeating ourselves at this point, but it, it makes me very sad to say that I firmly believe this is the highest 
Adam Thielen's value will ever be. But I mean, I will say that I think that you've gotten more than you ever expected already. So, you know, whatever he does from here is probably bonus. I mean, you either picked him up off of waivers or, you know, maybe you drafted him in a startup, you know, going into uh, the 2017 season off of what he did at the end of 2016. And... You know, you drafted him really late. You didn't draft him to be a starter. So, and I I do think that he can probably still be a wide receiver too. You know, maybe not every season, but I think that he's he's a wide receiver two type of guy. He's definitely a flex consideration guy going forward. And you know, obviously if you can sell high, I, I it sounds like that's what you and I are kind of saying here. If, you know, if we don't believe that he's wide receiver eight, but you can get wide receiver eight value, then I think that you do it. But, you know, I think that everybody's, for the most part, universally on to Adam Thielen at this point. And the fact that he's probably not going to do this again. So for me, I think that you're not likely to get real great value in return for him. So what would be the harm of, you know, going back to the expectations that you had when you first acquired him of, you know, maybe I get a flex guy out of this? Yeah, totally agree. So um, next up, wide receiver nine in 2017 was Tyreek Hill. I don't know if we agree or disagree on on Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I I don't know. I want to hear your thoughts first here because I don't know either. (laughs) (laughs) It's very impressive what he's done. Um, I think that he is one highly drafted or highly signed wide receiver away from regressing back to his natural role of situational deep threat wide receiver. Mm-hmm. So basically, yeah. I'm not bought in. I don't. I don't. I don't view him as a top 10, 12 dynasty wide receiver at all. Yeah. Well, so it's strange. I I disagree, but I think that you're right. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> so, I mean, Please I, do I, tell. I, yeah. I mean, obviously, he's not your, your, you know, your prototypical wide receiver one. He's not a volume guy. He had 75 catches for 1,183 yards on 105 targets. And those are all very low numbers for a wide receiver one. You know, by comparison, DeAndre Hopkins had 175 targets and caught 96 of those. That's, you know, so it's, it's, he was more efficient. He had more volume by quite a bit. You know, when, when you say that, like, he, that he is very replaceable in this offense if the right player comes in. You know, I, I think that you're right on as far as that goes. The one thing that I will say about Tyreek Hill, you know, where I disagree with you and where I'm bought in on Tyreek Hill is the fact that we're seeing a change in the quarterback. We're going to see a change in offensive philosophy. You're going to see a lot more downfield passes because that's been the Achilles heel for the Kansas City Chiefs in the Alex Smith era is the inability to get the ball down the field. Well, you've got the burner receiver. You just need a quarterback with the, you know, it 
pardon my French, but with the balls to do it. So, you know, the switch to Patrick Mahomes, to me, presents an opportunity for for Tyreek Hill to maintain the production, you know, from a yardage and touchdown standpoint without, you know, even though he is likely to suffer when it comes to volume. Okay, yeah, that's fair enough. I, I would like to just go back to the Hopkins comparison. Tyreek Hill was significantly more efficient than Hopkins as far as catch percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you're right. Yeah, Tyreek Hill caught 71% of his balls. Hopkins caught 55% of his balls. Easy. Easy. you know what i'm saying no so i mean 71 percent catch rate versus 55 55 percent catch rate Mm -hmm. for hopkins is i mean that just might speak more towards hopkins as i mean if he gets a a better quarterback situation long term in, in watson you know let's not forget most of this year for hopkins was not with watson um mm-hmm. so you know Hopkins had 174 targets but if he could have some better placed balls you know that 55%s going to go up anyways yeah I, yeah I don't know I mean Tyreek what he's done so far has been very impressive I don't know I just still can't buy in man he just he still seems like he is only that productive because he's the best option available. I just don't see him as that prototypical number one receiver. I don't see him being that. Um, granted, I, I will give you if you know if they don't address the wide receiver position in a major way moving in 2018, I think Patrick Mahomes can can definitely sustain Tyreek Hill as you know a top 20 wide receiver. And he could absolutely have another good year. Um, I just think it's it's. I don't know, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not. I. He's not. He's not one of those guys. That is going to demand demand targets in an offense if there's other better options available. I guess that's my my biggest thing with him. If they bring in a guy that's more of a prototypical number one, I think he can easily revert to you know a more secondary role, an ancillary role in an offense. Yeah, I I think that that's true, but I think that that's beneficial to him because I mean, again, you know, he doesn't rely on volume; he doesn't need volume. Basically, like what's happening here, he's catching such a large percent of percentage of those catches or, or of those targets because he they're they're you know we talked about this with Jarvis Landry these are short you know screen passes and quick slants and stuff like that and then he's getting the yards after the catch and that's what he's able to do I mean he's he's young he's what 21 years old and uh, so the speed isn't going anywhere any anytime soon and he's able to, you know, get out in space, and he's able to to he's almost, break. Or, sorry, he's, he's almost, almost he's almost twenty four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still young. Um, yeah, which is still relatively 
pretty young. So, I mean, you've got several years of this athleticism and the ability to, you know, to, to get yards after the catch and, you know, make a short catch like that. There is also the deep threat component of it. And, uh, I mean, I think that we've seen a pretty solid, pretty consistent career from Deshaun Jackson doing this exact same thing, even with, you know, more number one type of guys next to him. So I think people are yelling at you right now for that. About, about Deshaun you Jackson. Said, you said Deshaun Jackson and consistent in the same sentence. Deshaun Jackson has for years been the epitome of boom bust. Every comparison ever anybody ever makes to a boom bust wide receiver, they always throw throw out Deshaun Jackson as that guy. Yeah, week week to week. But I mean, first of all, that he was he's very touchdown dependent and always has been. But I'm talking more year to year. Like you, at the end of the year, you look back on his on the year that he had and you see that you know he's he's done roughly the same thing every single year you know what you're getting from Deshaun Jackson and that's not that wasn't true this year in Tampa Bay obviously but you know whether it was Washington or Philadelphia he was he he was consistent on a yearly basis as far as what he was able to do with you know limited volume and and I think that you can expect that from Tyreek Hill. And I, I actually think that bringing in another receiving threat actually would help Tyreek Hill more than anything. Or maybe, you know, maybe there's a wide receiver who's already on roster, uh, Demarcus Robinson perhaps, who, you know, has a rapport with Patrick Mahomes and, you know, is able to, to kind of – take some of the pressure off and take away some of the coverage from Tyreek Hill and, uh, you know, create a little bit of space for him to make these short catches and, and then eat up yards after the catch. So, and that's yeah, fair. I, mean, if, I, I've got, I don't think Tyreek Hill is necessarily, you know, a, a wider, a top 10 wide receiver every year, but I I wouldn't mind him as a low end wide receiver one on a startup team. Yeah, I think I would mind yeah. mind that. Yeah. <laughs> I so I think that the 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 Deshaun Jackson comparison is kind of perfect and and you know, consistent year to year production when you look back on it, sure. But Deshaun mm-hmm. Jackson has for years been the guy that you don't want as your wide receiver one or even your wide receiver two Deshaun Jackson has been for his career the perfect wide receiver three or flex option on your team as far as lineup decisions go right like sure he's gonna finish in that top 20 top 24 but on a week-to-week basis you're gonna hate starting that dude he, yeah. I mean, you're gonna hate it. That's that's who Deshaun Jackson has been and and is, right? Like, yeah, on a weekly okay. basis, you don't want to start like you're starting him because you know fifty percent of the time he's gonna boom for you. And and I think honestly, like when we look back on Tyreek Hill's career, 
it would not surprise me in the least to see that that's who this guy turns into. And so if people are valuing him as a top 10 wide receiver in Dynasty, I'm absolutely trading him. Yeah, I would take advantage of that. But, I mean, I, I, I will say this, though. I mean, I'm actually going to pose this, this question to you. A guy we talked about at the end of the episode on Wednesday was uh, Julio Jones. Who would you rather have? Who would you rather take in your startup draft, Julio Jones or Tyreek Hill? <sighs> Probably Julio, only because he's got he's got years and years of name cachet and and built-in value so you're you're drafting him just to to trade well, him no i mean i wouldn't do that in a startup but if i'm if i'm forced to choose between those two guys that's who i'm picking yeah based on that yeah see but and that's the thing i'd I mean, probably pass on both yeah you know what i mean like i i don't yeah <sighs> I don't know. That's yeah. tough. But I mean, I I think that we probably both have it ranked, and what and I guess my point is we've got it ranked improperly. But we both probably have Julio Jones well inside the top ten, or maybe not well inside, but we've got him ahead of Tyreek Hill, and I don't even think that that's the right advice to be giving people. I don't. I I and and people are gonna face that decision at some point. Hopefully it's as your wide receiver two. Hopefully, you know, you already, you got your wide receiver one in the first round and now you're looking at, you know, at your wide receiver two, like at the, at the two, you know, the two, three corner maybe. Um, eh, They probably wouldn't go that late in all honesty, but it's possible. It's possible they could go to the two, three turn and you're, those are kind of the two guys who are going to be there for you most likely. You know, you can reach beyond them for somebody like a, you know, a Brandon Cooks or a, um, or you know, a Juju Smith-Schuster. But I, I think that a lot of people are going to stop right there and make the decision between Tyree Kill and Julio Jones. And I think that way too many people are going to see it as a slam dunk for Julio, despite the fact that, Tyreek Hill is actually more consistent. Yeah, maybe slightly. And and just for the record, I've got Julio at wide receiver nine in Dynasty, which I think mm-hmm. some would say is pretty low. And I've mm-hmm. even though I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really digging Tyreek Hill. I've still got him at wide receiver thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I mean, we're talking a four spot difference between those two guys, but. Yeah. I out of I mean between I don't, it's not a fair comparison because Julio is significantly older, but I wouldn't be surprised if Tyreek Hill two years from now is in that wide receiver thirty to thirty six range for me honestly. Yeah, and that's that's essentially why I'm I'm moving off of him. Um, gotcha. Let's, Let's go to wide receiver 10 on on the 2017 season, A.J. Green. Uh, I think we both can agree this guy is one of the best receivers in the league. Uh, he has been for years. But let's not look past the fact that he will be 30 going into the 2018 season. He's got yep. a mediocre at best quarterback. Um, it, assuming Andy Dalton comes back. Correct, yep. Yeah. Um, he had 
50% of his games outside the top 25 wide receivers. Ugh. Yeah, we're getting into that range. I mean, you're going to see that for these next couple guys that, you know, just saying someone is a top 12 wide receiver on a year isn't really saying all that much anymore. Um, I don't know if, you know, I'm sure that's a temporary thing, kind of big picture like we talked about, but... You know these wide receiver ten, eleven, twelve, even eight, nine. We're we're talking guys that are that are pretty inconsistent and and putting up numbers on the aggregate, but on a week to week basis, you know, fifty percent of their their games they're not they're not really doing it for your for you or for your lineup. Um, but you know AJ Green, one of the most talented wide receivers in the league. What are you doing with this guy? He's going to be thirty. I don't think honestly. I could be wrong here. I don't think people view him as a 30-year-old wide receiver. I think there's still a sell window here that's pretty significant um, where he's still valued as a top 12 dynasty asset or a top 12 dynasty wide receiver in the least. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of think so too. It's, it is it is a little bit shocking to find out that he's, you know, that he's as old as he is, but... I, I don't think that the, the age necessarily affects him like it's going to affect some some wide receivers. You know, it, it's kind of not really a part of his game necessarily. Um, I I kind of think that, I mean, as, as much as I want to sell him, I just think that his value is a little too depressed right now, you know, versus what he what he really is and what he's capable of. I mean, we've seen him have good seasons with Andy Dalton, like recently. You know, it's 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 there. the po- The potential is is there. I mean, there was there was kind of a lot to it this season, and you know the the play calling was definitely an issue, um, especially early on in the season with uh, the the original offensive corner. Uh, Ken Zampezi, Z- Zampezi, Zampezi. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. You know that there were some play calling issues. Um, it was hard to establish a running game, which makes it hard to you know have a credible passing game. Um, Just give was... the ball to Joe Mixon, damn it. Yeah, yeah. There were there were injuries. There were losses in free agency to the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I think that this this offense kind of needs to center around Joe Mixon a little bit more, but I also think that by doing that, it's going to open things up more for A.J. Green. I think that there are better days ahead for A.J. Green than what we just saw in 2017. I guess that's the bottom line to me. And based on that, I wouldn't be selling him. Um, it, you know, if if you can still sell him on name value, and you know get get a max return from him then i would do that but i don't think that's going to happen so i think for me i'm i'm holding on to aj green i would love to figure out a way to to make him my wide receiver too i don't want to rely on him as a wide receiver one but uh i i you know if he's not my wide receiver one i feel perfectly comfortable with with him as wide receiver two and I don't feel the need to trade him. All right. Well, I, I guess I disagree on that one. I don't I don't see his value going up. I think right now people are still kind of in the dark 
um, as far as him being an aging talent um, with a bad quarterback. Uh, so I, I, they're definitely that's definitely within the range of of possible outcomes that he could have a better year. But he finished wide receiver ten. I mean, that's still an yeah. absolutely with, respectable year. Um, with seventy five catches, by the way, sure, which yeah. is which is very low for AJ Green, and just barely cracked a thousand yards. I mean, I, he he really got to to the top 10 with touchdowns and you know eight is a reasonable number for aj green that's just kind of that's right around his his average so you know the the catches increase the yards increase the touchdowns stay right where they've always been there's a pretty clear path for me for him to bounce back yeah, in, I mean, in fact, had, it's more likely than not. I think he had eight touchdowns this year. It's not like he had mm-hmm. some outlier low touchdown year, but you're right. I mean, yeah. he had the lowest receptions at, uh, of his career in in a season that he played 16 games, which he did this year. Um, he had 86, 98, 97 in in the other game in the other years that he's played 16. So I mean, it's definitely there. But I think right now his value isn't depressed from Really. I, I don't think so. I mean I still think people view him as a as a top ten wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't see that going up. He's thirty. He's got Andy Dalton. You know? I mean, yeah. let's not overthink this. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean if if that's the value that you're getting on him then yeah you move him but yeah you know i wouldn't be in in sell high mode with him i guess that's kind of my point okay fair enough hey real quick this episode is brought to you by gtbets.eu an official sponsor of the super flexible podcast and the dynasty football network are you looking to get some action in on today's games Head over to gtbets.eu for all of your sports betting needs with updated odds covering all major sports. The bottom line, gtbets.eu will have you placing your first bet within minutes with their simple-to-use registration process. So register now and earn up to $500 in free money. Simply add Superflex in the referred by field to get the highest possible welcome bonus. That's Superflex, all one word, for your welcome bonus at gtbets.eu. So I think here at the wide receiver 11 mark is where we kind of enter a different tier uh, slash different conversation of player. And it'll be interesting to to see. These guys definitely have more question marks than the top 10. Uh, wide receiver 11, we've got Marvin Jones. Wide receiver 12, we've got Golden Tate. And that's obviously, again, based on their 2017 finishes. Believe it or not, Marvin Jones and Golden Tate finished as wide receiver 11 and wide receiver 12. <laughs> Still shocking to me to this day. Uh, what do you got on these two Lions receivers, John? I mean, this says a to me. This says more about Matthew Stafford than anything. Hey, oh, Jim, and <laughs> yeah, I know. 
I know. I I end up complimenting Matthew Stafford way more than I'm comfortable he with. He is one of the most underrated players in the league, honestly. Yeah, he especially really is. in dynasty value. Yeah, he's one of my favorite. It's totally not related. Well, it is related, but totally off subject, I guess. He's one of my favorite superflex buys because he is perennially undervalued. Mm-hmm. He is absolutely locked into his job for five to six years minimum. Yeah. He is like the ultimate go. Like, if you need quarterback help in your super flex league, you're going to be able to get this guy for a decent, if not cheap, price. And, and he's going to be a valuable contributor to your dynasty team, your super flex team, for years. And he's good. He's a good quarterback. He's top 10 talent quarterback in the league. Yeah. Anyways, back to these receivers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Stafford is just my kryptonite, and I hate having him on my roster. Uh, He's just let me down too many times. I'll I'll buy him from you, John. (laughs) We'll we'll talk trade after this. Um, But, yeah, as far as these wide receivers go... I mean, I think that that there's always going to be room for two of the Lions wide receivers in the top 12, you know, just because of the volume, the offense that they run, you know, the amount of the amount of dropbacks that Matthew Stafford has, the absolute insistence on throwing the ball, you know, 60, a minimum of 60, 60 percent of the of the snaps. Um, you know, they don't want to run the ball. They just want to throw it. They want Matthew Stafford to carry this team. And I mean, he's, he's going to continue to lean on Golden Tate. I think I feel much better about Golden Tate than Marvin Jones. I, I, so let's hit there for a second. Sorry. No, go for it. Marvin Jones is, is 28. He's almost, he's going to be 28. Uh, start of 2018 golden tate mm-hmm. is gonna be 30 yeah he's gonna be yep. a 30 year old wide receiver and that i think is gonna be shocking to a lot of people because it was shocking to me mm-hmm. you, you know i would have i mean golden tate i think just subconsciously is viewed as like oh this younger kind of you know wide receiver two dynasty asset he's perennially gonna be this wide receiver two. 27 year old wide receiver for years right like but he's not he's 30 he's gonna be 30 hey and that's that's julio that's i mean we're talking aj green we're talking i mean all these people that you know these these guys that are viewed as kind of jumping over that age apex of of young wide receivers antonio brown's gonna be 30 so Golden Tate's right there with all these kind of sort of older guys. And and Marvin Jones is a full two years younger. Um, so, sorry, just wanted to throw that out. Go yeah. ahead and, and continue with your point there. Yeah. No, you're you're right. And I think that, though, that that's an important point because I think that that, you know, those two ages, I think that that's going to suck some people into – a, a false narrative that Golden Tate is 
you know, on his way out just because of his age and that Marvin Jones is still the younger, more explosive player. And the thing that I want to point out is that they really play two different positions. Golden Tate is a slot receiver, which, you know, it doesn't rely on speed. It doesn't rely on, you know, point of attack and being able to win jump balls. It's all about sitting down in the soft spot of a zone, you know, short to intermediate routes. And and it's set up perfectly for a 30-year-old veteran who who knows the route tree. So for so Golden Tate to me has sustainable value. Marvin Jones, the problem with him is, you know, he's he had a an amazing season for an outside receiver um who doesn't rely a whole lot on volume, but he didn't do anything all that special, you know? He he there were a lot of jump balls that he won, and I'll give him that. But a lot of times, it, I mean, he made a lot of acrobatic catches over cornerbacks. And I've I've pointed this out before. The only reason that you have to do that is because you can't create separation. If you can't create separation, you're not going to get game planned into, the, <laughs> into the, the offensive game plan nearly as much. And especially when you've got a guy like Kenny Galladay looming, I think that Marvin Jones is in for a big time regression, and I think that he's going to ultimately be completely phased out by Kenny Galladay because Kenny Galladay is a better wide receiver and a younger version who can actually get separation on top of everything else that he can do that Marvin Jones already does. Yeah, man, I I think I agree. I think I agree with you. <laughs> nice. It's it's kind of a con a convoluted situation and. You know, you you think you know. I I just was listening to a, another podcast today, and they just were talking about how Marvin Jones is a strong hold and a solid dynasty asset. And honestly, I don't think I've bought into him that much. I think he is kind of going to be one of those wide receiver two guys. He, I mean, looking at the contracts here, he's more of a lock to be on the roster in 2018 than Golden Tate is. The yeah, team has the a potential one. out with Golden Tate. They save seven million by cutting him this mm-hmm. year. Um, Marvin Jones, they'd only save like three point eight million. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they're not going to cut all the all their wide receivers, right? They need wide receivers. So <laughs> I, I, I think I think both these guys are back. Um, but I definitely agree that that Galladay is going to eat into that work share more. I don't think Galladay is going to be you know, weekly starter at all in 20 in 2018, just because it's, I mean, Marvin Jones has proven himself. He's shown that he's a capable and deserving wide receiver to slash three on that team. So I, I, you know, NFL teams don't just go away from guys that easily because there's a rookie behind them. You know, if there's, if there's a guy that's proven his, his weight there, or proven his worth there, they're gonna they're gonna continue to play that guy. So I think he's gonna be usable. I think he's definitely not gonna finish top twelve. Um he was wide receiver forty three last year on the same team. Granted it was his first year. Um Golden Tate was wide receiver seventeen. So I mean they definitely the Lions had a good year for their wide receivers. Um and with Galladay coming into that mix and taking more of that work share I wouldn't be surprised if it was more spread out and 
honestly, it might be the unpopular opinion, but I'd bank on Tate being the one that I want out of those three. Yeah. For 2018 at least. And then, you know, you sell after that maybe because he's going to be 31. And <laughs> and I doubt people still even after next year realize how old that guy is. Right. Um, so let's go on to – let's kind of do – you want to go into quick fire, rapid fire mode here, John? All right, cool. On to wide receiver number 13 and beyond. But I, I actually want to ask you about two guys here at the same time, Travis, because to me, these guys are very, very similar to me. Number 13 was Doug Baldwin, and number 15 was Brandon Cooks. We're going to sk- skip over Devontae Adams for a minute. Um, we'll get back to him. But Baldwin and Cooks are very, very similar guys to me because they were borderline wide receiver ones. And we've seen them both perform as wide receiver ones in the past. But to me, neither one feels like a guy that I would be that I would be at all comfortable with as a wide receiver one. And to be honest with you, I don't know that I would necessarily want either of those guys as a wide receiver too. You know, I would almost sacrifice another position in a startup draft just to make sure that I've got better wide receivers than, you know, Doug Baldwin is my number one or number two receiver. <laughs> I didn't see you going there. Um, <laughs> I guess the question to me is, I mean, do you feel comfortable with these guys so, as as a starting wide receiver for you? Uh, and do you, do you view them this kind of in the same... I guess to me, they're both on their team. They're kind of default wide receiver ones. And I, but I mean, I don't think that they're, that they're a wide receiver one in the way that, you know, Antonio Brown obviously is a wide receiver one, but either, you know, both for fantasy and for NFL purposes, these guys are not, they're not ideal wide receiver ones to me. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So you skipped over the guy that I really want to talk about, number fourteen. Um, <laughs> we'll get to him in a second. But yeah, I think it's so. I love Doug Baldwin. I've been a Doug Baldwin fan for years. Mm-hmm. Man, and I've been, <laughs> I've I've been a Brandon Cooks hater to be honest, mm-hmm. and. That being said, give me Brandon Cooks over Doug Baldwin, and I, really? I it makes me sick saying that. But yeah, he's he's more than five years younger, and I know that's not everything. But Brandon Cooks has he's proven himself in this league. He's on the Patriots, which I actually don't like. The Patriots spread the ball around too much to make Brandon Cooks truly this, you know elite asset that I th- I think he could be. Mm-hmm. Um it, it's kind of difficult because I've I've never really been on the Brandon Cooks train. I th- I kind of viewed him previously as like, you know, kind of a one-trick pony and, and benefiting from wondrous glorious QB play for his entire career, which he still has obviously. Um but he's so he's so young still. And he's done so much already in this league. Doug Baldwin is, 
I love Doug Baldwin. I have Doug Baldwin on many Dynasty League but Dynasty Leagues, but he is severely undervalued from my experience in the community and, and in, in leagues and by owners. Nobody wants Doug Baldwin. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm 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 one hundred percent happy having Doug Baldwin as my wide receiver too, to answer your question. Um, but I'd rather have Brandon Cooks as my wide receiver too. What, how would you feel, I guess, what what would your comfort level be with your team if you if those were your your top two wide receivers? I think I'd be okay with it, only because I know where these guys are being drafted and I know what their values are as far as trades go. So with those two guys being my top two wide receivers, I think I'd feel pretty comfortable with the rest of my team because I know that based on where these guys go and where they're valued, I'd have, you know, I'd have a pretty good, I'd have pretty good assets at the other positions. Um, Mm -hmm. Although Brandon Cooks, I think up until right now, up until the end of season has been overvalued. Um, But right now I think he's kind of fallen down to where he kind of belongs or where I value him at. Um, So yeah, a short, short answer is I'd feel comfortable based on where I think these guys are valued in that I'd, I'd have significant um, production and value at the other positions on my team. Hmm. Okay. Cause Bal- Baldwin is significantly undervalued. I mean, he's like, yeah, I mean, I guess my problem with Baldwin is again, like, you know, I'm kind of looking at them at the same time through a fantasy lens and a practical you know and nfl lens and the problem to me with doug baldwin is that he's not a wide receiver one for nfl purposes and i feel like the seahawks might be starting to figure that out a little bit uh you know you're you'd be you're much better off if that guy is your number two wide receiver uh for you know for an nfl franchise and i wonder what happens can if, i can i ask you why that is though i i mean there there has to be something special about that guy you know to be a number one wide receiver on an on an nfl team you know it's got to be somebody who's particularly fast or particularly big and strong or you know particularly aggressive um, so it can't it can't know. just be a well-rounded guy in all of those areas. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, like I, I don't. But and he's he's that done with... it though for two three years now. Yeah, I just don't I, see I why know. not. He, you know, yeah, I don't know. Like he he has produced in that role. I know he's not the prototypical number one. He's not this target hog who you can just feed the ball to in, you know, jump balls 10 times a game and he's going to go up and get it for you like but this is a yeah. this is a good player. This is a dynamic player. This is a guy who can absolutely make those tough catches and and, and handle a high volume workload. Mhm. Yeah, well, tough catches that's that's the part that I take issue with a little bit. And I mean, I've, and I've talked about this a lot because 
I've been talking a lot about Russell Wilson and, you know, his his production for for fantasy purposes throughout his career. And I've mentioned many times that, you know, sometimes his inconsistency is attributed to things other than his own play. And one of them is Doug Baldwin. You know, like I said, you you need to be particularly fast. You need to be particularly big. Um, you need to be particularly aggressive. And the, the fact that Doug Baldwin is not any of those things can really hinder Russell Wilson's ability to make plays sometimes. You know, even on some basic plays, and I've brought this up before, there were way too many interceptions this year thrown by Russell Wilson on quick slants over the middle where, you know, if you've got a, if you've got one of those big powerful receivers, you know, the, the Demarius Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones type guys, they're going to, you know, they're either going to catch it or they're going to make sure it doesn't get intercepted. And that's kind of their list of priorities. Well, Doug Baldwin just gets rubbed out of of those routes way too easily um, because of the lack of size. You know, he doesn't get to the point of attack fast enough because of the lack of speed. There's just, there's there's so much missing there from Doug Baldwin. And so I, I kind of view him as, as a little bit of a, an Emmanuel Sanders type of guy. You know, he's, he's kind of a rich man's Emmanuel Sanders. He's, he's, you know, he's got a little bit of that stuff, but he's not just, just not quite elite. And to me, and the reason I bunch these guys in together, I, I feel like Brandon Cooks, he's, he's got the elite speed, but I still don't view him as a wide receiver one for NFL purposes. And because of that, it makes it feel for fantasy purposes like these guys are living in a house of cards a little bit, you know. It feels and it feels like the fan could get turned on at any time, and you know their 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 fantasy value just plummets because you know the Seahawks finally decide that you know the we need to utilize Russell Wilson and his skills, and the way to do that is with a true absolute stud wide receiver you know and they bring in a guy like an Allen Robinson or a Josh Gordon you know some of these free agents who are going to be available and and all of a sudden Doug Baldwin is taking a back seat and I don't know for sure that that hurts Doug Baldwin's fantasy value but it 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 could it could absolutely destroy it all right yeah I I could see them bringing somebody else in and that hurting Baldwin um I just I think he's a better player than most people think, and I think that he's proven that. I I wouldn't be surprised. They've got so many holes on that team. I I wouldn't be surprised if they don't do much with the wide receiver position in Seattle this off season. Um, but let's go let's go to the guy that we skipped in between thirteen and fifteen. Wide receiver fourteen is Devonte Adams. Um, twenty five years old. Just signed a contract. Jordy Nelson fading. Aaron Rodgers back. I am one thousand percent bought into this dude. I uh, if I have him, I am holding with a freaking vice grip. 
not letting go of this dude. I think he is talented. I think he's underrated. He's tied to Aaron Rodgers for at least three to four years. And the the Packers have shown over the last 15 years that they just, they move on to the next guy in their group and he becomes the guy. Whether that's, I mean, I don't even know. You're going to have to, you're going to have to tell me the history. <laughs> Greg, from, Greg Jennings. Yeah, from uh, Freeman to Jennings to, to Jordy. And then now, now it's Devontae Adams. I, I'm totally bought in. You cannot convince me otherwise. I wouldn't be surprised if Devontae Adams is the top five wide receiver next year. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Buy Devontae Adams. I I don't really care what the price is because the sky is the limit. I mean, he might be the only wide receiver left in Green Bay. You know, Jordy Nelson is a, is a free agent. Um, Randall Cobb is a free agent. Even Jeff Janis is a wide receiver, or is a is a free agent. <laughs> of course, he's a wide receiver. <laughs> but these guys are all free agents. There might not be anything left other than Devonte Adams, you know. In a in a handful, of, I mean, they might have to move Ty Montgomery back to wide receiver, and you're looking at D'Angelo Yancey and Geronimo Allison, and and I mean, and Devonte Adams scored ten touchdowns, mostly with Brett Hundley. So give him a full season with Aaron Rodgers, the number one quarterback in all of fantasy, and yeah, Devonte Adams, number one quarterback has a to... in all of football. Yeah, yep, I would agree with that too. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, give him a full season with a healthy Aaron Rodgers, and watch what happens. I this is easily a top five guy, and I'm really resisting the urge, to be honest with you, Travis. Uh, to uh, to rank Devontae Adams as a top five wide receiver, um, even though he finished this season as wide receiver 14. I just, I am as high on Devontae Adams as anyone. Agreed, so, man. <laughs> totally. I'm totally bought in. <laughs> that was an easy one. Yep. Let's see how this one goes. We got, we got one more that we're going to do on this episode before we wrap it up. Number 16. From my own Denver Broncos, Demarius Thomas, 30 years old. He'll, he won't turn 31 until near the end of the uh, 2018 season. Yeah, I don't have much to say about Thomas. Um, he's he's one of those like super depressed assets. He's shown that he's a top talent in the league in years past. Bad QB, horrible QB play has has <laughs> hampered his production. I don't think there's much to do other than you just keep him and hope Denver, Denver figures this crap out with the QB position and he regains some of that value. You're not getting you're not getting anything for this dude right now if you're trying to shop right. him. And he's going to be more productive as just a part of your team than he's going to be as a trade asset. So that that's yeah. where I'm at with him. Yeah, there's there's rumors about him maybe moving into the slot. There's also rumors about him being a cap casualty in this rebuilding process. You know, there's really kind of not a whole lot of point in have you know, if, especially if you're going to draft a quarterback. 
uh, with the fifth overall pick in this in this rookie or in this uh, NFL draft. There's not much point in having a bunch of 30 year old guys <laughs> running around around him. You know, if you're going to rebuild, you'd go all the way with it. So there, you know, there's a possibility that we see that with Demarius. Um, it, there's also a good possibility, though. I mean, they they might be in they might be serious contenders to pick up Kirk Cousins. So no, either no. way, I I uh, I I don't know how I feel about that one, and I do know how you feel about that one. <laughs> we rather see Kirk in the desert. That's right, <laughs> Arizona totally baby. Get, Come on, I totally get that. Uh, but I mean, we we know how John Elway is about quarterbacks. He's going to go after him aggressively. Um. Either way, I mean, there's a pretty big change of scenery coming for Demarius Thomas, whether it's on another team or on the same team in a different position with a different quarterback. So I I, I think you're right. I mean, you're not going to get fair value for him, which makes him a hold anyways. But I think that there's an opportunity for a little bit of a bounce back. Demarius really has been pretty consistent throughout his career. He's generally a 1,000-yard wide receiver usually around 100 catches the touchdowns have been pretty low for the last few years um as uh we haven't seen very many touchdowns scored period here in the mile high city but uh i i i think that all that's about to change um at least enough for demarius to get back into wide receiver two territory um, for fantasy purposes possibly even low-end wide receiver one. I'm not going to go so far as to make a prediction as far as that part goes, but um, I'm just going to say it's possible. All right, we'll wrap it up for this week. We've made it through 16 wide receivers, and we're going to pick up right where we left off with wide receiver 17, Mike Evans, next Wednesday. So don't miss that one. Mike Evans is going to be a very polarizing wide receiver, and I'm sure we're going to have a lot to say. We get James Brain back next week, so uh, this uh, this is going to be an interesting discussion. So join us next week to help us uh, as we uh, as we finish the position dissection of the wide receiver position. Until then, I am going to ask you for a quick favor to go ahead and uh, rate and review the podcast if you would wherever you listen, because those those ratings and those reviews it helps us expand our reach and improve our content and evolve and involve more people in the conversation and be able to touch on more topics that are meaningful to you the listener and also in that same vein send us your trades at superflex trades on twitter so that we can retweet them we can get you more votes more advice and we can even dissect them here on the podcast Follow the podcast itself at SuperFlexPod. Travis is at TravisNFL. James is at DFF underscore the brain. And I'm at DFF Dynasty Dude. And follow you can follow the entire Dynasty Football Factory at DFF underscore factory. And the, the stable of podcasts at DF underscore network. That stable of podcasts includes the Dynasty War Zone, the Fantasy Football Fellas, the Devi Watch Podcast, the IDP Edge Crushers, the, the Capology 101 Podcast, and the brand new Dynasty Trades HQ. So plenty of great podcasts at the DF Network. 
to uh, to help you scratch the itch here in the in the off season. Um, but we'll be back on Wednesday. We'll have two more episodes for you next week, and look forward to talking about wide receivers and tight ends and trades and everything else that we've got as we continue the reflection of the 2017 season. So until next week, bye.